everyone. Welcome to the Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. right, my friends, happy summer solstice and happy cancer season. I hope that you're finding plenty of time to get outside and play and take your shoes off and get in the water if you can. It's been so healing and cleansing for me to get down to the ocean every day. I've been really loving taking my morning coffee and taking a walk down there and watching the surfers in the morning. We have the most beautiful mist that hangs in the mountains and over the ocean and the beach every morning until like 1130 on a daily basis. So it it creates this beautiful ebb and flow in our environment over here. So really taking advantage of that and slowing down my birthdays next month. So the weeks leading up to my birthday are always a little bit slower and more introspective. And I kind of go into hermit mode. I do a lot of writing. I really bring out all my spiritual tools, (laughs) my meditations, tarot cards, dance, everything that I can do to just really reflect and go into my next you know, journey around the sun with intention. So that's what I'm up to. I'm still taking a little Instagram break until July 11th. So in the meantime, uh, check out my website, helendenham.com for more updates. I'll be posting blog posts there a little more frequently and uh, all the good stuff. But anyways, let's get into today's conversation. We've got the lovely Hana Siddiqui joining us. She is a 22-year-old writer, educator, and spiritual coach from the San Francisco Bay Area. And when I first came across Hana's work a little while ago, I was immediately drawn to her because she exudes such a light and joyful frequency. And furthermore, when I think back to where I was at 22 years old, I was just not as organized as she is now. And she's so deeply rooted in her purpose and focused and such a wonderful community builder. So I immediately wanted to know more about her. And of course, her purpose aligns with everything that we talk about on the Lifted podcast. She's really here to help people uncover their own spiritual power through using manifestation and positive affirmations, positive self-talk and astrology. And she's helped so many people recognize their own power. And she creates such a beautifully welcoming and inclusive community and has helped people, you know, across the board, find their voice and find their confidence within. To speak more on her and how much she's really done in such a short amount of time, when she was only 16, she began The Road to Hana, which is her lifestyle blog. She has gone through a whole career in photography, working with some amazing brands, and she even gave a TEDx talk in 2017. So, I mean, Hana is so inspiring. She's so well-spoken and articulate, and I think you're going to love this conversation. So while you listen, go check her out on Instagram. She's at The Road to Hana. And I'm at Helen Denham underscore. I'm on my little Instagram break until the 11th, uh, but uh, definitely hit us up there and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So thank you so much, you guys, for being here. Thank you for tuning in, especially if you're on the uh, Wednesday morning crew and episodes drop. I love you. I see you. And I'm so grateful for your support. So enjoy this conversation and I'll talk to you on the flip side. 
first question I always love to ask people is, how do you like to start your days off? Do you have any rising rituals or routines that you go to? Yes. So I would consider myself a very routine-oriented person. It's really important for me to have a really clear, consistent routine, which is kind of funny because as a business owner, um, there's a lack of routine inherently within that. But for me, it's super important that I set myself up for success by creating these really, not necessarily rigid, but standard routines for myself. So my typical morning routine, I usually get up at around 6.30 in the morning, sometime between 6 and 6.30. I make my coffee and I'll come back, I'll make my bed, and then I will do my meditation. And so with my meditation, it really depends on how I'm feeling that day, whether I'll do a guided meditation or I'll just lead myself through one. I kind of just base it off of how I'm intuitively feeling. Then afterwards, I will pull some tarot cards for the day, just a simple three-card spread, and write about it in my tarot journal. And after that, I will do another journaling exercise, and I kind of leave that intuitively as well. So I might just do a standard journaling practice of writing down kind of my thoughts, my feelings, things that are going on for me. That's kind of like a new practice I've taken up. Or I might do sort of a intention setting manifestation journaling where I write down my intention for the day, um, three goals I have, three action steps I can take to get one step closer to those goals, um, and then a closing affirmation. So I'll do that journaling practice. And usually while I'm doing that, I'll listen to an Abraham Hicks lecture on YouTube. Um, and then after that, I will try to get a workout in if I have time. I'll admit that during quarantine, I've been a little bit bad about that. Um, and then I will get to work by around 8, 8.30 and start my day. Oh, I love that, Hannah. And I was telling you earlier, you know, that one of the first things I noticed about you was how focused you are and how driven you are because you're pretty young. And uh, I was stalking you and I was seeing that you had done a TEDx talk when you were like 19, right? So my question is, you know, did you always know that you wanted to be in holistic healing and spirituality? Or was this something that kind of naturally evolved for you? Like, how did this, you know, focus that you have come to be? So I think my focus came a lot from my upbringing. Um, I'm first generation Indian and, you know, my parents are both very American. They came over here as children. My mom was raised in San Francisco. My dad was raised in Missouri. But particularly with the way that I was raised by my dad, I was pushed really hard growing up. Um, I always kind of excelled in school and was expected to excel in school. I was expected to excel in my extracurriculars. So there was almost a bit of pressure on me growing up to perform and to kind of have this strong work ethic and dedication. And so I think from a really young age, I was kind of raised with this tenacity to almost try to be and perform the best that I could in anything that I did. And so to kind of address your question on whether or not um, I always saw myself being in holistic healing and spirituality. The answer is absolutely not. <laughs> this is not something I ever thought I would do. And if you had told me that this is what I was going to be doing five, six years ago, I would have thought that you were crazy. Um, I have found myself in an interesting position of my career kind of evolving many times over the years. Ultimately, all of the pieces and facets being useful and ending me up where I am today. But for example, I've been a writer since I was 11 or 12 years old, and writing is still a fundamental part of my career and is my biggest love in life. But 
from a professional point, when I was in high school, I was training to be a professional ballerina. Um, and then after that, I ended up starting a fashion blog in 2016 when I was 17 years old. Um, it was a fashion and lifestyle blog, which then led me into professional modeling, which then led me into a full-time commercial photography career, gave a TEDx in between. And all the while was having this kind of spiritual awakening that really started in 2016. So there's all these different layers. It's like I had this different career avenue going on at the top and then underneath was this kind of spiritual holistic transformation that was going on that seemed almost completely irrelevant and it was interesting because at the time you know I had a pretty dedicated blog reader base I had a dedicated following on Instagram that was small but mighty and you know, I was really feeling called to share what I was learning, but I was really scared. Um, there weren't a lot of people talking about this kind of stuff back in 2016. And so there was a part of me that was like, are people going to think that I'm crazy, that I've gone off the deep end? What is going on here? Um, and then it wasn't until the end of 2017 that I really, really felt the pull to start sharing this work. So I did, and people were gravitating towards it so much more. They kept asking me for more, and it really created this community aspect of us learning and growing together, which then became the brand that I have today. Amazing. I relate so much to what you're saying because I've looked back on my own career, I guess, and I'm like, why have I done all these different things? And then when we're here in this place that we are now, it's like, oh, well, now I know how to take photos of myself and brand myself really well, which is all like so key to developing a business and running your own, you know, programming. So it all seems to make sense, doesn't it? In hindsight, it's like, oh, of course, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I've had all these amazing tools. Um, and you also mentioned, you know, at this time, you were also going through this spiritual awakening, I guess, for lack of a better term. So yeah. what really spurred that for you? Where did your interest start to get peaked and you started to get curious? Yeah, so it really started because I found myself in a situation in early 2016 where there was something that I wanted really, really badly. And there was no logical way that I could possibly have it. I remember sitting there and thinking in my logical mind, I have this really strong desire, but there's no possible way that it could ever happen. And it was kind of in this wanting and in this yearning, for lack of a better term, that I was led to this giant bookshelf that I have in my room. I have hundreds of books. I'm a voracious reader. And so I was led to this bookshelf and at the bottom, like the bottom back corner with the books that I don't really touch at all, was a copy of this book called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. And The Secret, for those who aren't familiar, is a book that basically talks about the law of attraction and manifestation in kind of its most simpler terms. terms. And so I had actually received the book when I was probably 12 or 13 from my mom. Um, she had read it and she had loved it and she got me a copy. And I remember reading it at the time and being like, this sounds awesome, but having no clue how to implement it or if it was actually legitimate. And I truly believe now in retrospect, that it's one of those books that you find kind of when you're ready for it. So back then I remember reading it and then kind of shelving it and saying, I'll get to this later. And so fast forward to this quote unquote spiritual awakening. I am in this situation. I'm led to my bookshelf. I pick up this book and the book flies open to 
a specific page that was exactly what I needed to read. And from there, I really kind of became a student of this book and became engrossed in it and wanted to learn more and read more. And so it was this really kind of organic transformation of just finding this new avenue of possibility, exploring it fully and realizing that it put so many pieces of the puzzle together for me and it completely changed my life. Yes. Amazing. I feel like for me, I had the same situation. It was like Eckhart Tolle, Abraham Hicks, like you were mentioning earlier, kind of similar studying um, that was going on there. And for me, the biggest realization was like, oh, I'm in the driver's seat. Like I'm not a victim of life anymore. I'm actually kind of creating my reality based on my belief system. So did you find kind of the same realization came up and that you were able to build this like trust muscle that allowed you to just take action more fully? Like, what do you think clicked for you? I think it definitely was that. And kind of to touch on the note that I was talking about earlier about like my upbringing, I think that I'm a very... I'm a person that when I commit my mind to something, it's really easy for me to go 110% with it. Now, it does get to the point where it starts to consume me and it becomes a little bit obsessive, but it it creates this hyper-focus on things. And so for me, the realization that I could be in the driver's seat of my own life became just a fundamental value and task and goal that I really wanted to set myself towards. I realized, oh my gosh, I am in control. I can put in my own hard work and my trust and cultivate this sense of faith, whatever that looks like for me, and really take control of my reality. Now, I would say I'm now in a place of trying to learn how to allow myself to take the passenger seat and allow the universe to take the driver's seat and surrender more. I think that's been a really difficult lesson for me to learn and something that I'm really trying to lean into now. Ooh, I love how you just phrased that. Like, I haven't really heard anybody talk about, you know, it in that way, but absolutely there comes a point where we've built that trust muscle and then we can just kind of mm-hmm. surrender and trust that everything's going to work out for us. Um, and not against us. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And the way I like to describe it is like, it was one of two ways. One is like, if you hated driving, but you know you needed to do it, and there was an opportunity where you didn't have to drive, would you go out of your way to take the driver's seat? No. And I say that being someone who doesn't really love to drive. I spend a lot of time driving and in the car, but I don't necessarily love it. If anyone offers to drive instead, I will gladly let them. And so I recognize, okay, if that's how I am in my reality, why am I not like that in my spirituality? Why am I forcing myself to take the driver's seat when really I don't have to? And you can also think of it in terms of, you know, like a road trip. If you're going on this really long road trip, you don't want to have to drive the entire time. You're going to take shifts. And it's the same thing. At some point, you have to stop trying to direct the energy and taking control and allow yourself to just surrender and allow the universe space to come in take things off your shoulders and really let things happen for you because that's the magical space where we receive. And that's where so many people get lost and almost give up too soon. Mm, That's such a good example. 
Um, I'm also curious to know about like what spiritual practices you, you have and you incorporate into your daily life so that you stay connected to source essentially, mm -hmm. and you're staying grounded. I know you mentioned tarot. Um, is there anything else that you do that keeps you really connected? Yeah. Um, meditation is a huge one for me. I know it's super cliche. Everyone and their mother's talking about meditation these days, but it really, really is life changing. Um, I've recently opened up about how since God for years, I have struggled with really bad anxiety and meditation is something that has been extremely helpful as well as breath work. Breath work is another practice that I only came into um, last year. And that's been a practice that has totally changed my life as well. So kind of relying on those three spiritual tools is absolutely fundamental for me for moving through the day-to-day -day challenges that we might encounter. You know, I think that when a lot of people are turning to spiritual tools, they're in situations where they're going through something really, really tragic. They're going through a loss. They're going through a separation. They're going through a really hard move or a financial setback. And that's when they turn to spirituality. But one thing I like to remind people is that spirituality can be here for you in the smaller uh, harder moments that almost get overlooked. For example, when you have to have a really tough conversation with someone you don't want to have, or someone is really, really bothering you, or you see something that kind of triggers something within you. Those are little situations that oftentimes people don't realize they can turn to spirituality as a tool to move through. And so that's kind of what I like to do for myself. And then also in my work as well, is just kind of have that gentle reminder of you have all these tools in your tool belt, use them whenever you need to, because they are there for you and not just in the really big, scary, traumatic moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I always think about mental well-being and spiritual well-being as like taking care of my physical body. Like I know I'm going to feel better when I take a little walk or a hike mm -hmm. and I know it clears my mind and it doesn't have to happen just when I've like had too much to eat or something. It's just a daily upkeep. So I love that example. And I'm curious to know too, how did your parents feel about your shift into this world? Did you grow up in a more traditional household or more of an open-minded household? Like what was that like? I grew up in a very open-minded household. Um, my, it's really funny because my parents are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. My mom is super spiritual, energy healer, into holistic wellness. We're very similar in that way. And my dad is a doctor. So they're kind of like two opposite ends of the spectrum. And the way I like to describe it is like if there was, you know, an ailment or one of us was feeling sick. My mom would give us an essential oil and an herb and my dad would give us a medication. So there was two totally different ways. Um, I'm also the oldest of four kids in my family. So I come from a really big family and we really did grow up with a very open-minded upbringing. You know, I was pushed really hard, but at the same time, I was kind of taught that I have freedom of exploration to, you know, try out different things that I want to learn and take whatever career path I want to do. And so I know that's very different from a lot of the traditional Indian culture and a lot of people, a lot of my peers. And so I'm just really, really grateful that I grew up in that type of environment and that I have parents that are so supportive of myself and what I do. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
I also want to ask you about confidence and building your confidence because it's taken me, you know, up until the last few years to really step into a position of helping mm -hmm. women and empowerment because I've felt like, well, I'm either too young or I'm not an expert yet. I've, I've got more to do. Um, so how have you cultivated confidence for yourself and made sure that like you're good to go and that you don't need anybody's permission essentially to, to live your life? That's a really good question. And to be honest, I don't know if it's something that I've ever really consciously thought about. I think it was just kind of me feeling this really strong urge within myself to do this thing and realizing that there was a path that just naturally unfolded. Um, for me, when I was in school, I was bullied a lot growing up. And so there were a lot of periods where I didn't have friends. There were periods in high school where I was that kid who ate lunch alone. It was definitely very difficult in my school experience a lot of the time. And I'm always someone who's had like a very strong voice. Like I have very strong opinions on things. I am definitely someone who's not afraid to speak their mind. Um, and here I was in a situation growing up where I felt like my voice was kind of squandered. I felt like I wasn't able to communicate a lot of what I wanted to. And so when I kind of discovered that Instagram and a blog could be an opportunity and an outlet for me, um, it really was kind of this space of just recognizing like, I can say whatever I want. And if someone doesn't like it, they don't have to follow me. And it doesn't matter. No one could shut me up. And so I think that inherently built a lot of confidence. And I think as time has gone on, it's what's given me confidence is just recognizing the fact that the words that I write and the words that I speak have power. And this is something that I don't think I realized until maybe about two years ago when I started getting messages from people who would say that something that I said changed their life or they implemented a practice and it changed their life in some way. And kind of my personal ethos going into this work has always been to help people first and foremost, to be of service and to really see that translate, I think was something that gave me a really strong sense of purpose, which in turn gave me that sense of confidence. So for me, I would consider myself in the work that I do very, very purpose-driven, very, very, um, in integrity to myself and my own personal values. And so I think that's what gives me confidence is the fact that it's authentic. It's not, you know, contrived in any way. And I think that's something that a lot of people see on Instagram in particular is kind of this image. And while, you know, I think we can all perpetuate that in some way and not to go off too much on a tangent, I think the reason it works and the reason the confidence part has been so inherent is because I am just sharing myself and I'm sharing things that I believe and things that I love and it's not forced, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. I love that you just touched on um, being purpose-driven and serving your community because what I hear when you say that is like, it's not so much about you anymore. So you can kind of take away the ego-driven, you know, you know, anxiety or whatever might accompany the work. It's just that you're helping your community and you can probably see it directly impacting people, which probably makes you want to share more, right? It really does. And then at the same time, it also makes me a little bit more cautious on what I share and making sure that, you know, my words are inclusive, making sure that I recognize that there are members of my community who, you know, for example, 
maybe trans or non-binary or and using language in my work that makes it inclusive to them really just taking a holistic look at my community and really meeting them where they're at so while i would say there are definitely times when i do have to be more ego driven and that comes more on the business side of things when i'm like what do i need to charge for this offer to be able to pay my business taxes for example um it's very 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 important to me to be of service to be selfless but with boundaries which is something that i've learned is very very important um and just go in with with honest intentions and recognize the fact that you know the people who follow you are not just your followers they are not just a statistic they are individual people with lives just as complex as yours and at the end of the day it's a community it's not just a number or a title that you get to throw around mm -hmm. yes i also wanted to ask you about studying sociology in school and what you learned from sociology that you brought into your career now yeah, so I studied sociology at UC Berkeley. I graduated last year in 2020, which was not the best time to graduate college. But it's really interesting because sociology was never something I expected to study. I actually was planning on going to college to study English literature, as that was a huge passion of mine. Ended up getting a minor in it, so that all worked out. But um, it was my mom who suggested sociology to me. I'd never heard of the field. I didn't know what you could do with it. Um, but I was just kind of like, sure, let me try this. And what I learned through my sociology degree was, I would say, just an overall empathy of the fact that I just said of that every single person you encounter has a life as complex and as you know, difficult and beautiful also as yours. Um, it really gave me this sense of compassion for people in understanding that there are so many different types of people and different circumstances that we go through and everyone at the end of the day is kind of here for the same purpose, to understand themselves and to be loved and to give love out into the world. And so to kind of tie that into my work, I think what it's given me is one, it's given me a sense of, you know, um, really clarification on how important inclusivity is, like I mentioned, um, being accessible in certain ways and making sure that there is, you know, there's the potential within my work to reach different demographics of people. So that's really important to me to make sure that no one feels barred from accessing these different spiritual tools that I may be teaching about because of any sort of constraint. That's really important to me. Hey there, just popping in for a second to tell you about my new offering, Cultivating Confidence. This is an online self-mastery course that I've been developing over the last few months, but I honestly feel like I've been working on this for my entire life. <laughs> and I'm so happy and I'm so grateful to be at a point now where I'm really able to share this with the women in my community. So it's an online go-at-your-own-pace course with eight modules, and it includes EFT tapping, guided visualization meditations, affirmations, transformational workbook prompts, goal setting, developing a daily practice, and so much more good stuff. I've really included actionable steps in every single module for you so that you are really doing the work. 
and you're going to discover a lot about yourself through doing this. It's really amazing what happens when we invest in ourselves and show up for ourselves. It's a way of communicating to ourselves that we love ourselves and that we believe in ourselves. So if you're ready to look into this and you're ready to take the next step and really step into the next version of yourself and align with that highest version of yourself, this might be just the thing for you. So you can go to HelenDenham.com to check that out and you'll see a link for the course and let me know if you have any questions, but thank you so much for listening and back to our conversation. Let's jump into astrology because there's so much going on in the cosmos right now. And I think a lot of us are feeling a little frantic and frazzled. So can you touch on what's happening right now with eclipse season and the full moon and everything? Yeah. So as we're recording this, it is May 25th and tomorrow we actually have a, um, do we have, we have a full moon. We have a full moon in Sagittarius tomorrow. Um, and this is the start of eclipse season. So eclipses are really interesting in astrology. They oftentimes represent really massive changes. And with this eclipse season, the kind of mantra that I've been saying is expect the unexpected. Expect things to go really well or expect, you know, pardon my language, shit to hit the fan. Mm -hmm. And it's really about your intention during this time. And I say that not to scare people, but just to kind of buckle up and get ready. Um, Last month, we had the Taurus new moon, and that was a really, really powerful new moon that we had. It was really positively aspected. It was a really beautiful time, and that was a time when I was really encouraging people to set intentions, to manifest. Like, if you've never set intentions under the moon, do it under that moon, because that's going to be our last time before we move into eclipse season. So eclipse season Two, one thing you want to do is because the energy is so frantic, because things are so volatile and are moving in these crazy directions, it's not a time to manifest. Do not set new intentions. Really focus on just moving forward along the path that you have already set for yourself. So we're going to have two major eclipses. We'll have one again tomorrow on the 26th for the full moon, and we'll have another one for the new moon in Gemini um, in June. And so that those two are really going to bring us into the summertime and into this kind of new energy. At the same time, we just had Saturn, which went retrograde. We have Mercury going retrograde soon. We're in the shadow period. We are going to be okay because we have Jupiter now in Pisces, but we are coming out of kind of a difficult Taurus season. So it may seem like there's a lot stacked against us astrologically right now, but think of this as a time to really embrace whatever is showing up to you for you. Lean into that idea of surrender because things are probably going to change in unexpected ways. It's important that you set the intention that things are going to change for the better. Things are going to change for the good. Also, there's going to be a lot of things ending during this time. So a lot of people might be moving. People might be breaking up. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but it's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of endings and closures and trust that these closures are making space for something new to come. So that's a really important lesson too of this season. Oh, thank you. Yeah, people are going to be listening to this in a couple weeks. So like early June. So we'll probably be around like the new moon eclipse. 
so that's great. And then people can look back and be like, Ooh, what, what happened? I, that's, I mean, yes, I have friends and family that are just going through everything you were just saying. And, um, yeah, it's also interesting to know, like when to set new intentions, when to focus on manifestation and like when to just stay downstream essentially to just follow what you've already put into practice. So what kind of new moon rituals do you have? Like, can we talk about new moons a little bit and what you like to do surrounding that? Sure. So the new moon always occurs when the sun and moon are conjunct one another in the same sign. So a conjunction between any planets or luminaries, luminaries being the sun or the moon, happens when they are within about 10 degrees of separation in the same constellation or sign astrologically. So that's a little bit of background on what the new moon is. So the new moon you can think of as like the rebirth. It's the time to set new intentions. It's the time to really kind of go forward with like new hope. Um, kind of the visualization that's coming to my mind right now is like a flower beginning to bloom, like the beginning of spring you can kind of think of as the new moon. Um, and for a lot of women or people with periods too, a lot a lot of people will have their period and the first day of their cycle sync up to the moon as well. So those are some different metaphors you can think of with the new moon. Um, and so with the new moon being the best time to manifest, I really love doing just a very simple moon ritual. And so what you do with a moon ritual is you will take a piece of paper and you're going to write down your intentions or your desires. But I like to write them in the form of what I call I am statements. So you're going to write them as if you already have them in this present moment right now. So for example, if you have this desire for $10,000 in the bank, you're going to say, I am so grateful for the $10,000 that just hit my bank account right now. You're going to act as if you already have it and express gratitude for it. You can do this for so many different things. You're just going to write it down on a paper and then you're going to take the paper outside and take like just a kitchen pot, something you would cook in and make sure again, you are outside when you do this and you'll want to put the paper in the pot and light it with a lighter um, until the paper completely burns and there's no ashes. I like to sprinkle a little bit of water on top just to make sure that there's absolutely um, no flame or anything after it burns. And then what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to take the paper or the ashes that are left over and you're going to want to scatter them into the earth and kind of give it back to mother nature and back to the universe. So you can sprinkle them in the soil, um, over a plant, you can sprinkle them um, on the grass, people who live in cities, if you can find like a tree planted somewhere, sprinkle it on the tree. Or if you happen to be near a beach or an ocean, you can sprinkle it into the ocean and let it go that way. So you just kind of want to release it and give that space for it to, to manifest. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. I am just curious too, a uh, little off, off note. What is your human design? Do you know your human design? Ooh, I do. Um, I am not super into human design yet or super well-versed in it, but I do know that I am a generator and I think I'm a solar plexus authority and that's about all I know. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. I always love to know like the, the main archetype that people are. That makes sense. And then what's your sun moon rising? So I am an Aries sun, Sagittarius moon and Taurus rising, but I also have a stellium in Pisces. So I'm like equal parts fire and water. Can you enlighten us? What is a stellium? 
Sure. So a stellium is when you have four or more planets in one sign, five including your sun. So for example, um, because my sun is in Aries, I would have an Aries stellium if I had four additional planets there. But if your sun isn't there, then it's just four planets in one sign. Got you. Okay. Yes. Memory jogged. And is there any planet or, you know, sign that you really love to work with the most? Ooh, in terms of like people or in terms of like the actual placement itself? I guess the actual placement itself, like what, what do you really like to look at if you're, you know, if you're planning around business, do you look at Mars, for example, like, you know, what, how do you work with the planets? I guess that's a more overarching umbrella question. Like how do you choose to work with the planets and incorporate them into your daily life? Yeah, I think it really depends on like the context we're looking at. But in case of business, when I am trying to, for example, plan a launch or plan when I'm going to sell a new offering or even help some of my clients do the same, Mars, we do like to see in a good position. I actually favor Saturn a little bit more because Saturn is discipline, it's determination, it can also be wealth as well. It's a really good placement. So really when I'm looking at business things, I look at Saturn, I look at Mars, I want Jupiter to be in a really good position. Um, and I also want the signs of Virgo, Capricorn, and Cancer to be in a really good standing as well. Um, and so I'll kind of play around with different times, different charts to find an outcome and a day that I really like. Um, but those are kind of the ones I like to play around with. But then it also depends on like what the offering is or what exactly we're looking at. I think all of the planets are equally as interesting for different reasons. And I know that's a really bad answer, but I think it just really depends on what exactly you're looking at, but I like them all. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. I always love to look back to on like major life events or launches and see where the planets were um, or the moon cycle was. And it's just interesting. And, and it makes me want to set my intentions more specifically going forward. So Saturn's cool. I'll have to make sure I look at Saturn um, in relation to business as well. See, Saturn's cool because I actually just wrote an Instagram, Instagram post about this last night, but Saturn gets a really terrible reputation because everyone hears about Saturn returns and Saturn returns can be destructive and, you know, Saturn's about constraints and boundaries and it's like, yeah, it is, but at the same time, it's all about like where, one, what is the perspective you're taking on it and two, like how is it aspected because Saturn can totally be wealth. It is the planetary ruler of Capricorn. Capricorns are very centered around money and finances. So that can be super great. Saturn can be supportive. Saturn can be like your foundation. It can also give you discipline and focus and drive. So there's two sides to every coin and the same goes for the planets. There's positive aspects, there's negative aspects. It really just depends on what you want to look at. Mm -hmm. Totally. What do you find that your clients are struggling with the most or what are most people coming to you for help with? Mm. That's a good question. So I'd say whether I'm reading just for a natal chart or I'm doing like a transit reading for a client, which I do for my more established clients, um, a lot of them, it's really funny. A lot of them are just looking for 
confirmation for the answers that they already know. And it's really interesting that we talked about confidence earlier in our conversation, because now that I think about it, a lot of them come in and they're lacking that confidence and they're wanting a reading to give them a little bit of that confidence because they'll come in and say they want to know um, where and when they should move. And they already have an idea of when and where, and it lines up with what I'm telling them, but they just are like, oh, I feel so much better now that someone else said it. So it's almost like this sense of validation, but I always like to remind my clients, like, you already know, you already have the tools. I'm just being a mirror for what you already know and really trust them to focus on, you know, listening to their intuition, honoring the message that messages that are inside of them, and then using their chart as well to kind of show them how they can do that and how they can build that confidence and trust themselves. Because most of the time, they don't need me to tell them the answer. They already know it. They just want a little bit of support. Yep. So fascinating. I find the same thing when I pull tarot cards. It's like, it's such a fun practice because usually I already know too. And the, the card pulling is really just for clarification and to make me just feel more at ease so that I'm more in flow. But when I pull and I read, I'm like, oh, okay, this is how I actually really feel. And I think as healers, quote unquote, or guides in this, in this field, that's totally like our job is to just hold space for people and just let them reveal the answers to themselves. I mean, I always say that too to people. It's like, I'm not going to give you the answers, but I'm going to give you a template so you can fill in the blanks with what you already know. Yeah, exactly. Because we aren't necessarily fortune tellers. We're not here sitting and saying like, I'm going to tell you every single thing that's going to happen for you. At the same time, I very much tell my clients, I'm not going to tell you the answers you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the answers you need to hear. And you mm -hmm. might be mad at me, but it's okay because you'll thank me in like three months. <laughs> yes. So it's really important to hold space for whatever emotions and feelings are associated with that. I take a very um, intuitive approach when I'm reading the chart. And so it's very much my intuition kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And so I just like to hold space because there's a lot of tears sometimes. There's a lot of anger sometimes. There's a lot of you know, trauma that comes up sometimes. And so it's really important when you're in this kind of work to just be open to whatever the reading is going to bring and whatever experience is going to happen because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yep. So true. Is there anything that you have personally been transmuting over the last few months, like some kind of big obstacle that you've been working through and healing from? Yeah, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, oh gosh, where do I even start? I feel like it's been really hard because there's been a lot of a lot of really heavy personal changes in my life since last August. And I can't really talk about them because of the fact that they involve other people. And I want to respect, you know, the people in my life's privacy regarding that. But there's been some really, really difficult changes that I really didn't expect to have happen. Um, and last year in general was a very, very difficult year. Um, last January, actually before the lockdown, I had COVID. So I'm dealing still with kind of the after effects of that. Um, I graduated school at a very difficult time, kind of had my life turned overnight, dealt with a very, very difficult family situation. Um, and so it's just kind of been one thing 
after another. And it's really questioned my spiritual faith. It's really questioned um, all of the tools that I practice and preach about have really been tested over the past year, specifically the past 10 months, as I've moved through these very difficult situations. But, you know, right now I'm in a space where I'm starting to see the light at the other, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to be moving this summer, um, which is going to be just really nice and a breath of fresh air. Um, I'm feeling inspired again with work. I'm feeling like my mental health is in a good place. So, you know, it's getting there, but it's been a very, very, very difficult year with a lot of trauma on different levels. And yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's difficult. And especially when you are in the business of helping people for lack of a better term, and you feel like you need help yourself, it's a really difficult place to kind of be in and navigate. And so I think that's something that I've been really exploring the past year is how do I show up and be of service in the way that I love to and know that I am called to, and also take care of myself in the way that I need to as I move through this very traumatic, difficult time. And that's something that can be, that can be really hard to navigate. Yeah, absolutely. It's really refreshing to hear you talk about this because, you know, I'm realizing more and more that part of the human experience is, you know, pain, it's inevitable, but suffering ends up being a choice. So if we can just move with grace through the pain, it ends up being able to help our community anyways, because we can end up teaching that or, or, you know, helping people take a more optimistic approach. And absolutely, I think all of our faith has been tested over the last year in more or less intense ways. Um, but yeah, I completely relate to that. And I think, you know, there's never really going to be this like end all be all of quote unquote enlightenment. I just, I'm, I'm realizing that more and more that it's like, okay, this is just a wave to ride and it's part of the human experience. And we can actually move through pain with curiosity instead of resistance at some point, which um, takes, takes a lot of strength. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I really love your optimistic outlook. Of course. Thank you. And I think I, I love what you said about how suffering is a choice because something I've been talking about a lot on Instagram and have really recognized over the past few months is almost the opposite too. that joy is a choice and you can be, you know, you, you can be depressed and you can still find moments of joy. You can be unhappy and you can still find joy. I almost look at it as, um, you know, joy is the little moments of happiness and happiness is just joy sustained. Joy Mm -hmm. is when, you know, we see a cute dog at the park or we buy a coffee from the coffee shop that we like, the little things that make us happy. And it's almost like instant gratification, but happiness is that feeling sustained. And so as I'm you know, actively moving to this place of, quite frankly, learning how to be happy again, I'm trying to learn how to sustain those moments of joy and realizing that it's an inherent choice I have to make every single day. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It's an intense one, but it's absolutely possible, isn't it? <laughs> well, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to touch on or cover? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot. And I'm just super grateful for you for holding space. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Hannah. And so where can people find you if they want to connect with you or work with you? Absolutely. So you can find me everywhere at The Road to Hana. Hana is spelled like Hannah. It's a whole story. Um, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, 
TikTok, I'm at the road to Hana underscore because someone stole the road to Hana and that's a whole other story. But <laughs> we're there um, for all of my offerings to work with me, um, either one-on-one -on -one or in one of my group programs. You can head to theroadtohana.com. Um, and if you want to reach out, send me a DM on social media. I would love to chat with you and answer any questions that you have. Amazing. And I'll put that all in our description below so that people can easily find you. But Hannah, I'm so inspired by you and you're so well-spoken and um, I just wish you the best. You're already doing such amazing things. So I'm excited for my community to find you as well and vice versa. So thank you again for being here. All right. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Again, you can keep in touch with Hana at The Road to Hana on Instagram and theroadtohana.com is her website. And I'm at Helen Denham underscore on Instagram and helendenham.com is my website. And you can find more information about Cultivating Confidence, the course. You can find past blog posts there. You can subscribe to my Self-Care Sunday newsletter, which I have so much fun sending out every week. Links to my music, past podcast episodes, that's the home for everything. And uh, I'm really excited to tell you that merch is coming soon. So stay on the lookout for that. I'm really excited to uh, share that with you guys. And if you feel called to leave a review, I would be so grateful. It's so helpful for me to know what you're experiencing and what you're learning as you listen to these beautiful guests come on. And if you feel like a friend might benefit from this information, feel free to send it along as well. But thank you so, so much again for being here and joining us. I love you so much and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Bye for now.